Everywhere he looked, people suffered. Anxiety ran high, hope dwindled, hatred rose. His neighbors had lost trust in the system and in each other. I need to do something, he thought. I'll bring them together and feed them. Around the dinner table, they can talk and see how much they have in common. Shared struggles, shared joy, shared pain. So he prepared a feast and invited all into his home. But some refused to sit at his table because they chose to only see differences. He was heartbroken because he wanted everyone to eat and be filled, not with food and wine, but with compassion. So what's the deal with all those he gets us ads? Does Jesus really need a commercial? Probably not, but America sure does. According to the Pew Research Center, only 63% in the United States self-identify as Christian. That's down um, from 75% just 10 years ago. Why is that? Why are a growing number of people no longer drawn to the church and its message? Is the church still relevant? Is God still speaking? Is anyone still listening? How did the greatest love story become known as a hate group? Tough questions. Let's try a simpler one. How many of you have been to uh, Baskin Robbins Ice Cream Place? All right. There's Winter O'Fallon just 2.3 miles away. They are known for having 31 flavors. I love their logo. You can see the uh, 31 hidden in the B and the R there, but that's not the real reason I enjoy Baskin Robbins. I like it because, well, ice cream is awesome, and so are these. It's a little pink plastic spoon that they have available if you just want to take a little taste. You're not sure if triple mango or pistachio almond or jamocha fudge is right for you. And so they give you a little spoonful, just a little foretaste. Taste and see. Try it. You might like it. And I always do. I think that kind of gets to the heart of what the Jesus campaign is really all about. These little clips are an invitation for people to taste the real Jesus. Hey, it's no secret that Christianity in America has been getting a lot of negative press and, you know, some of it, much of it, I don't know, deserved. The problem is Jesus doesn't deserve it. The He Gets Us commercials want to change this by raising the respect and the relevancy of Jesus in our culture by starting conversations about the authentic Jesus. They want people to see Jesus as he really is and who he is for. He is for everyone, and he has the answers to life's most pressing problems. He understands us. He gets us. But somewhere along the way, we've lost him. Shortly before his crucifixion, Jesus Christ served his followers by washing their feet and encouraging them to love one another. Knowing his days on earth were numbered, Jesus 
entrusted his ministry to these men and women, and the message was really simple, which is love each other so that the world can know me. But where is this Jesus in our world today? The one who serves and loves and includes and trusts others to do the same. Sadly, the gospel of Christ is becoming difficult to hear and receive because of all the competing noise in a culture that is becoming more and more individualistic and judgmental and divided. The message of Jesus' love and grace can really get lost. But here's the good news. While many are skeptical of religion or the church, they are open to having spiritual conversations. They are open to being loved and included. They are interested in matters of faith, especially when things aren't going well. And this is big. If given a taste of the real Jesus, they find him very good and wanting more. Zacchaeus was wanting more. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and a man there by the name of Zacchaeus, he was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. And so he ran ahead, and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly and all the people saw this and they began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. If you grew up in a Christian church, you are familiar with the story. If you ever went to Sunday school, you might even know the song. It's catchy, but it really doesn't capture the drama going on in Jericho that day. Zacchaeus wasn't just a short guy. He was a bad guy. He was a traitor and a cheat and a bully, and nobody likes bullies. But that is exactly who Zacchaeus was. The song should go like this. Zacchaeus was a big time jerk, and a big time jerk was he. The scandal that Jesus caused that day could hardly be appreciated today, but I'm gonna give it a try. For instance, it was legally forbidden in first century Judaism to mingle with those who were outside the law, outsiders, people like beggars, prostitutes, of course, tax collectors, much less a chief tax collector like Zacchaeus. It was a religious, a social and cultural taboo for a Jewish person, and God forbid a rabbi, which Jesus certainly was, to eat with those kinds of people. But Jesus did, and he did it like all the time. Jesus loved a dinner party. 
You check out the Gospel of Luke. It's really something. If you pay attention, you'll see that Jesus is either talking about eating or he is going to a dinner party or he is at a dinner party or he is coming from a dinner party. Really, it's something. As Tim Chester points out, Jesus' mission strategy was a long meal stretching into the evening. He did evangelism and discipleship around a table with some grilled fish, a loaf of bread, and a pitcher of wine. The man, the son of man, came to seek and to save the lost. That's Jesus' mission statement. That is what he came to do. Luke 19.10 describes why Jesus came. But the verse on the bottom describes how he did this. It's about his, his methodology, his method. Now, we know that Jesus came, uh, and he saves by, you know, going all the way to the cross and dying for the sins of the world. He came to save the lost. But, but how does Jesus serve and seek the lost? By eating and drinking with them. Here's the point. Relationships, friendships, it's essential to sharing anything good about Jesus. The, that's the one reason we're so big about community groups at Messiah. The registration is now open, and I really couldn't encourage you enough to get in on this. And we'll talk more about it later on in the service, but here's, here's the deal. Relationships, friendship, often happen when there's pizza or ice cream or any kind of food at, at dinner parties. Hey, I'm uh, getting hungry, so let's head back to first century Palestine. This is important because this is the real Jesus. You see, in that time and in that place, to share a meal with someone, that was a guarantee of peace and trust and forgiveness. The shared meal, it was symbolic of a shared life. Uh, for an Orthodox Jew to say, I'd like to have dinner with you, that's, an, that's a metaphor implying I would like to enter into or celebrate our friendship together, friendship with you. I read that even today, an Orthodox American Jew will share a cup of coffee and a donut with you, but to extend a dinner invitation is something else. It's something much more because that invitation actually means come and we'll celebrate our friendship and that's what Zacchaeus heard when Jesus called to him. It was friendship. Uh, now, this invitation didn't escape everybody else. They muttered, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. <laughs> you see, Jesus was not only breaking their little law. He was destroying the whole system. They're furious with Jesus, and in just about a week, they're going to kill him. But grace won the day that day. It's fascinating. I'm, I'm sure that uh, all throughout the years, the citizens of Jericho had tried, you know, to fix Zacchaeus, you know, from his lying, cheating ways as the chief of the tax collector. But it didn't work. Something to keep in mind. No amount of guilt or, or shame or exclusion really had any effect on him. Nagging doesn't bring about heart change. I bet they tried, though. 
I'm sure they scolded him and they, they shamed him. I'm sure they pointed out his flaws, all to no avail. And then eventually they just ignored him and wrote him off. But Jesus, the, the man of grace, walks into town and he spots him. And this is so cool and it's so interesting that Jesus knows him by his name. Isn't that wonderful? He knows him by his name. And he calls out to Zacchaeus. He'd like to have a meal with him, a dinner party. And Jesus spoke love and affirmation and acceptance. And a transformation took place in Zacchaeus. And he came to know salvation. He tasted grace and discovered that the Lord is good. And his life was never the same. You see, Jesus saw the good in Zacchaeus that Zacchaeus or anybody else couldn't see in Zacchaeus. That Jesus' love and his acceptance healed Zacchaeus. Is there a Zacchaeus in your life? You know, somebody that everybody has just kind of given up on. Is there someone in your life that God is asking you to include? I want you to look at something I passed over when I read the first time, but uh, let's circle back to verse three, and there it is. Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was. We usually miss this because we naturally go to the part about him being short. Um, but let's take note, Zacchaeus was like a lot of people. There was something inside of him. There's something inside of all of us who wants to see Jesus. Something inside of us yearns to know God and have some kind of peace and, and hope and, and acceptance. Rich Wilkinson Jr. writes, on the outside, Zacchaeus was probably jaded, calloused, cold. He had everything money could buy. He had reached the pinnacle of his career. But on the inside, he was empty. Then he heard about Jesus, about his miracles, his teachings, and how he treated outsiders. And his heart just jumped. Maybe this guy has some answers. Maybe this man can bring me some peace. I wonder how many people around us secretly, maybe even way down deep, they want to see Jesus. We can't read people's hearts, and we can't hear their thoughts. All we see are actions, and actions only tell part of a story. And sometimes we're so quick to judge people's readiness or lack of readiness to encounter Jesus, and sometimes we can just be dead wrong. That guy? <laughs> He'll never go to church. He hates church. He hates Christians. He doesn't even believe in God. He's a lost cause. Do you see her? Her life is crazy. She doesn't even care. She's proud of it. She likes it. There's no way she wants to know about Jesus. I think a lot of people in our lives and in our spheres of influence deeply desire to know God. They might not know what they're looking for. They might have a bad attitude towards church or toward the Christians. And their actions, their, their vocabulary seem so far from Jesus. But inside, they're ready. 
to do anything to see him. I love this verse. We should not make it difficult for those who want to see Jesus. That's why Zacchaeus was up a tree. It wasn't just because he was short. The text says it was also because of the crowd. The crowd was in the way, and they weren't going to budge. They weren't going to make room for Zacchaeus. They were making it difficult to see Jesus. We must remember that faith is a journey. And on that journey, we are all in different places. And Jesus' message was grace. Jesus' message is not about religious rule following. It is about relationship. You know the difference between the two. I'll tell you. Here it is. Rule-based religion says this, that if you obey, then you will be accepted. But the gospel of the real Jesus says this, you are absolutely accepted already. Jesus loves you as you are, not as you should be, because none of us are as we should be. It's true. Jesus didn't wait for Zacchaeus to get cleaned up first. He didn't lecture him. He didn't even ask Zacchaeus to repent. Jesus simply invited himself over for dinner and into a friendship with Zacchaeus. And then his heart changed. That's how Jesus did it. And we can do it too. It happens through friendship. It's, it's the very best way to give people a taste of Jesus. You be friends with people. Eat and drink together. Host a party. Show up at a party. Two opportunities for you today. You've heard about them before. I hear them again. First, oh, so good. Night to shine. I call it Messiah Super Bowl. We're looking for, what, 64 more. One-on-one -on -one buddies to party with our honored guests. It's a privilege, it's a great way to love and to serve others. So Night to Shine, that's one, and then the other is just like it. Um, and that is join a community group. Uh, registration is now open. <laughs> I cannot encourage you enough to get in on this. Get to know some people. Learn something. Love one another. Laugh, pray, eat. That's community group. <laughs> Include yourself in this and let there be joy. And that's what Zacchaeus experienced. Zacchaeus received Jesus with joy. Indeed, all through the Gospels, a cloud of joy just kind of seems to encircle Jesus. Wherever Jesus goes, there's, there's joy. Joy surrounds him, and those who encounter Jesus, they taste and they see that the Lord is actually really good. And it's about time for Jesus' modern-day followers to be joy givers, too. You check this out. I didn't take this picture, by the way, so I don't want you thinking I'm some creepy creeperson, you know, hanging out, looking at me. Okay. No, I found it on the internet, but I love it. Um, where's next gen at? Yeah, high school, college. Oh, look at 
Here's some for them, all of us really, the, all of us. It's a little tough to see, but here's the deal behind this picture. This young guy comes into Culver's alone, and he sees somebody by herself. And he asks if he can join her. That's the kingdom. That's simple. <laughs> That's cool. But I'll tell you what, it's also gutsy, right? It's gutsy. And I bet it ended up being really fun. We can do it too. Night to shine, anyone? It's gutsy. It's cool. It's a great opportunity. A second opportunity, I don't know if I said it before, but community groups and registration is now open. Couldn't encourage you enough to get in on this. That's two opportunities. Let me throw in a third. If you're up for it, I'd like to invite you into a joy experiment. Yeah, put it to the test. On your way out the door today, make sure, well, if you want, pick up one of our special offering envelopes. That's right, an offering envelope. Look at this. This is not for putting something in, it's for taking something out. It's not for offering money, it's for offering little acts of service because inside this offering envelope, you are gonna find a prayer that I wrote and about five little pink plastic spoons. And what you do is you take your spoons and you, you place them, I don't know, wherever you're gonna see them, that's the point. Bathroom, sink, car, I don't know, your office, locker, pocket. Be a little reminder to you. Keep your eyes open. In a way in which you can give someone a little taste of the real Jesus. See, you and I can be a real life Jesus commercial. A little pink plastic spoon in the hands of a loving God who desires all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. You give them love. You sit down with somebody at Culver's, I don't know. Give them kindness, give them grace, give them a taste of Jesus. People are hungry for the real thing and there's nothing worse than getting faked out. Oh, I guess it was a couple of years ago, I don't know. It might've been Thanksgiving, maybe it was Christmas, I, I forget, but the family, all the whole family, extended family, the cousins were all there and we were having a great time and, and the kids uh, you know, were in the kitchen or somewhere and they were having a lot of fun with a tub of Cool Whip. I wasn't paying attention, but I should have been because someone offered me a big old spoonful of Cool Whip and they had a cherry on top, which I grabbed and I gobbled up in one bite. But it turned out not to be cool at all. It was sour cream, which I deplore. Gross! And it is. Nobody likes getting faked out. But that's what far too many have been given. What they have been given has left a bad taste in their mouth. As Bob Goff writes, if you ask a thousand people who don't want anything to do with Christianity why that is, they'll give you a whole bunch of reasons why that is, but I doubt they're describing the real stuff. They're gonna describe 
some goofy guy on TV who told them that if you, you know, give them, send them some money that they'll get rich too. They'll talk about the big hairdo or their outrageous makeup of some televangelist or some absurd thing that they said or did, and they'll talk about someone who was religious but who broke their hearts or their promise or who lied or got caught and they had to go to jail and they cried a lot on camera, but it looked like they were faking it. Or they'll tell you about someone on TV or in real life who told them that God hated who they were and how they acted or who they married or couldn't forgive what they'd done. Sour stuff. That's the Jericho crowd in the way, making it really, really hard for people to see the real Jesus. It's a sad situation, honestly. They have gotten their fill of the fake stuff. They need someone to give them a taste of the real thing and what's great that each of us have a shot at being that person. So grab some spoons. Give it a shot. Give them the real Jesus. 